Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan. and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar, and full contact, and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I'm excited to be joined by one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite interviews of all time. I've said this several times here on the podcast and and talking to other people. Former head coach, nine-time state champion, eight at Greenwood High School in Arkansas, one in Oklahoma, who is now the senior assistant to the head coach at Mizzou, Rick Jones. Rick, always great to be talking to you. Thanks, Keith. I was—I thought maybe you had forgotten who you were getting ready to talk to with that kind of introduction. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> a lot better than I deserved. That's, no, that was very nice. I appreciate it. It sounds weird that after 16 years to be the former head coach, but that's what I am, so it's, it's interesting. Well, Coach, as I said, one of my favorite interviews, but what came through – and, and I, I still remember the first time I talked to you, you told me it's a great day in the wood. And 
you know, you could tell in talking to Rick Jones, I think it was back in 2017, that this guy absolutely loves his job, loves the place he's at, loves the kids he coaches. And I, I could tell, you know, before we started, certainly, you know, that, that still tugs at your heartstrings, but you also had an incredible opportunity to really to, to, to grow in the profession in making this change. That, that's the way, that's just the way, exactly the way I saw it. I just, we'd been there 16 years and it was, and I try people say, well, you just got bored and, it, and that's really just not true whatsoever. If anybody's ever been a head football coach, they know that boredom is not ever going to be a problem. It's always a challenge. We were, I mean, there's a battle every day to do it the way it needs to be done. I mean, that, I woke up every morning excited to go to work. You're exactly right. I was thrilled to death to be the head coach at Greenwood, Arkansas. And I didn't have – I guess part of the deal is, is that I don't have a retirement plan. I just – I think I want to coach until I get hit by a truck. And that's basically it. And I thought, what better – I'm just – I've just been curious – I coached three years at Missouri State at a one double A program and I've just been curious as to how things are done. I mean, is there is it possible that I could add some value to the staff, to a group of kids? I mean, is there a place for uh basically what we've been doing and what we know and things like that? And I'm just curious to see how it works and see sort of pull behind the curtain and, and watch the Wizard of Oz do his thing. That's, but that's really the main thing. And it's a unique situation with Coach Drinkwitz because uh, I've known him for a while. I trust him. I believe in him. And, uh, I think he's going to do great things here. And, and I'm excited just just to be a part of it and, and in a totally different role than, than what I've been uh, doing for the last 25 years as a head football coach. And I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn how to do something different. I wanted to learn how they do it at this level. I want to learn the ball. Uh, Coach Drinkwood's offense is, uh, is in, in weird ways, very similar, uh, but terminology is so different. And I wanted to learn it. And uh, I didn't think there's any better way to learn it than just to get right down in the middle of it and, and try to be an asset and see if we can, if I can help in some small way to help this program be successful. Coach, I think you can relate to this. And I think back to the time I made the move from the high school level to the, the college level. And I went to Division Three. I know you've been at the college level before, but I think now in this time in your career, you could probably relate to this is when I made that move to the college level and I was a, a high school head coach, it wasn't like all of a sudden then my goals and ambitions became, oh, I'm going to climb this ladder now. It was it was kind of, you know, as you were talking about it, a lot like you said, like this is an opportunity for me to learn. And I really approached it that way rather than worrying about necessarily what's next. I was really focused on, you know, just this is an incredible opportunity to learn, to learn something new, how it's done in a different way at a different level. I mean, I agree 100 percent. That's just the way I see it. If, if you're not going forward, you're going backward. I think people that know me sort of know that that's why I listen to podcasts and read books. I'm always trying to figure out a better way to do things. And I'm in a position, I want to add value. It's like anything else. I want to be able to add value. And, and I'm not sure exactly how that 
manifest itself. We're sort of trying to work that out, but I mean, I hope I, I hope I can. And in the process, it, it's not altruistic. I want to learn. I want, I want to get better. I want to learn different ways to do it. And I want to be around some really, really great guys and great coaches and, and learn, just learn ball. And then hopefully uh, through that, I'll be able to, to apply it in, in some form or fashion, either through, uh, clinics or visits with my friends or, or back at the, you know, back doing something, you know, doing something similar, but that's the, really the, the thing is I, I just, I've just always had a curiosity about how things are done and I'm, I'm excited and interested to, to see how it works. And I, I think that's the fun part of it. Just, it's new. It's different. When I wake up in a, in a different town in a different state in a different job, it, it's exciting and fun. But like I said, I've never had any issue. I guess I'm a simple-minded person because, I mean, I I listened to Frank Bulls, and I think it was in 2005. I gave a talk at the clinic there at the University of Arkansas, and I thought I did a great job and all that. <laughs> I was huffing, puffing, and stomping and storming around and sat down, and the next speaker happened to be Frank Bulls, and his topic was love where you're at. And I just, I sit there and I just, it, it hit me in so many areas, but mainly just the humility that he had. And he said, I, and I'll never forget this quote that he gave at the end of his talk. He said, I never let the people of Arkansas forget how lucky I am to be their head coach. And I think that's the, that's something that I've never forgotten. And, and I felt that way at Greenwood. Uh, from that point on, I I never failed to let people know how lucky I was to be the coach at Greenwood, and that's the and and you probably got a bit of that, but that's just the way I feel, and I feel that I'm really lucky to be a coach here. That's just the way I approach it, and I I really tip my hat to a, a great man, great great legend, Frank Bulls, because if I didn't know that before, I sure knew it after his talk. Well, coach. First of all, you're definitely going to add value to the Mizzou football staff. I have no doubt that that's something that's going to happen. What I really, you know, thinking about and adding to that the conversation, which this topic here of, you know, just going into some place with the idea that you're going to learn and grow. And in that, you're going to get where you want. You're going to help the organization get where it wants to go as well. And it's a different approach. You know, I think some of us get there to that point and understanding it that way as we've done it for a while. I can't tell you how many times I get, and, and I appreciate them, but get direct messages from uh, younger guys in, you know, early 20s. I'm going to be this by then. And what do you think I should do? And, you know, I'm going to do this by the, t- I'm going to be a FBF's head coach by the time I'm 30. What do you think I should do then? And that part, I think, is, I think that part, coach. Actually, while we think it's something that's going to drive us up that ladder is to have all those goals and ambitions and set timelines for it, actually gets us in the w- in the way of us uh, in some ways of of getting where we want because it doesn't exactly happen that way. It's it's not always on our timeline. Those opportunities don't those doors don't always open exactly when we think they should. We're so focused on that. There's a lot of of the growth, of the relationships, and just being able to to make the most out of where you're at. And that's something you've been able to do throughout your career. Well, I, I've tried. I, 
I really believe it. I, I had a belief when I started coaching 42, 43 years ago that all I needed to do was be the best coach I could be. If I was the JV line coach at Dell City, Oklahoma in 1979, my number one focus should be to be the best JV line coach I could possibly be, to learn everything I could, to hop in my car and drive down to Norman and watch spring practice and follow Merv Johnson around like a little puppy dog. That's that's what I did. I never I never focused on being a coordinator or being this or being that. I just want to be the best coach I could be. And and it and I think that's the sometimes young guys I don't think in there's anything wrong in being ambitious. I mean I get that all the time, but I think sometimes they spend more time looking at the next job instead of taking care of their own job and all of a sudden they realize that their own job's in jeopardy because they haven't given full attention to it. I think in this business, if you're good at what you do, people notice. And I, I just believe that with all my heart. And I say that from perspective of being a head high school football coach for 31 years and never being a coordinator. I mean, I've never been a coordinator. It wasn't that I had that plan. I'm going to go do be a position coach and then I'm going to be this. And then this, it was just go be the best coach you can be and do everything in your power to do that job to the best of your ability. And I had a former boss head coach give me great advice. I said, I said, this is Mike Little at Putnam City West there in Oklahoma City. And I just said, Mike, what do I need to do? What, what do I need to do to get better? And it wasn't what do I need to do to be a head coach or what do I need to do to be an offense coordinator. It was what do I need to do to get better. And he said, you need to look at the big picture. And while I was coaching offensive defensive line for him, I paid attention to how he ran the kickoff team, how he organized practice, how he hired coaches, and how he did things on the big picture frame that I think really helped me when the time came for me to step up and be the head coach. I I had observed how he handled the big picture, how he did those things, how he, you know, little things like how he ran the banquet, how he, how he communicate with a booster club and things like that that have nothing to do with being an offensive defensive line coach, but ultimately has a lot to do with being a head coach. But that's the advice I've tried to give young coaches. Just, hey, do everything in your power to be the best coach you possibly can. Things will take care of themselves, but always have an eye out on the big picture. And I think that uh, another person that really made that hit home to me was Sherry Cole, who's the women's basketball coach, University of Oklahoma. We grew up in the same part of the world there in southern Oklahoma. Her husband was one of our assistant coaches when we were at Edmond High School back in the day. And I remember Sherry talking about when she was a head high school coach at Norman, she just kept a file of ideas and of people when they came in her office recruiting what what they did well, what they did poorly. And she just had that file ready to go because she never knew that at some point in time they would call her to come interview at the University of Oklahoma to be the women's basketball coach. She just she just wanted to be ready. I think that's what smart coaches do. They put everything they have into the job they have, but they look at the big picture. They just If it's a file or it's a, something on your computer and you just write down good ideas as they come to you, and then when the opportunity comes, you're prepared, you're ready, you've given it thought, and you can go in there and present yourself.
in a positive way. I think that's a big part of it is just focusing on what's important. I remember, you know, Lou Holtz has a great speech called WIN, what's important now. And you just have to, you have to focus as a coach on what's important now. What do I need to get done now? And then there's nothing wrong with having an eye toward the future. But if you spend too much time looking toward the future, you don't take care of your job. And then you find yourself in, in a place you don't want to be. Well, Coach, as things move forward, uh, you have an opportunity to look back. And so the book closes on you know, the, the Greenwood volume of, of your coaching career is closed now. As you look back on that, uh, what are your takeaways from Greenwood? What did you learn and, and what's going to stick with you now as you move forward? Well, I, there are, I mean, there's a ton of things. And I mean that, you know, just the people, that's the thing I think that that made it really, really tough. That was a, it was about February 14th. I, I wasn't officially hired, but I, you know, I was under the impression it was going to go and there weren't any snags and I didn't want my, my kids or, or our coaches to find out secondhand. So I went ahead and on that Friday, I just, I, I called in my longtime assistant, the only coach that's been there the whole 16 years. And I told him, he subsequently became the head coach, and then I told the administration, and then I told the coaches right before our athletic period, and then we told the kids during the athletic period, and it was just hard. I mean, it was 16 great years of memories, great people. I guess my takeaways as much as anything is that you can accomplish great things if everybody works together. Over the years, our administration at Greenwood has been so supportive. They've tried to set things up to give us the best possible chance to win. The parents as a whole have been very supportive. And and that's that's sometimes a missing link when you get a, a group of parents that are fighting for individual things. If if you have a community that sort of rallies around a team and a, and a cause and you work together, you can just accomplish great things. Now we had some really, really good football players, but, but for the most part, our, our bread and butter were those dedicated, great high school football players who were willing to work their tail off 10 months a year and just really, really get after it. And I think that's part of it. I, I guess the thing that it makes me emotional to think about it, but I had, when when we go give talks, you know, here, there, and everywhere uh, about coaching, one of the things that I always say is sort of an offhand, and I hate to admit it, but somewhat of a flippant remark that if, if your third-teamers come back to visit you, you know, down the line, then that means you did things the right way. And on that Friday, after I told the coaches and I told the players and I told the administration and all that, it was – it was really ironic because I, as is my habit, I still went up to the office about nine o'clock that night to, you know, put some things together and finish things up. And I heard a tap on the door and it was two guys that were, you know, backup guys, you know, on our football team. And, and I thought, well, they're here to lift weights or something like that. And I was going to let them in the weight room or whatever. And they just, they wouldn't come in and chat. And it made me emotional to think about it of all the guys that have been through there, the two guys I finish up with <laughs> were guys that 
you know, were those second, third teamers, which I say is a judgment program, but I felt good about what we'd done. The fact that we tried our best to treat kids well, and there's a fine line because we push them hard and we coach them hard. But I think that if, if those two guys wanted to come back on my last day at work and sort of relive their glory days, I thought that was a pretty fitting end. Yeah, very cool. Coach, you know, one of the things you said I think sticks out is the community aspect of this. You talked about the parents, the administration, you know, I've, you've talked already, uh, you know, about the, the coaching staff, the players. When you're building a program that ends up being like a greenwood that can sustain success, that can be at the top, you know, eight state championships there. How important is it? You know, especially we got a a lot of guys out there probably maybe walking into their first head coaching job. And so we get really focused on staff and players and sometimes don't don't catch up on that aspect uh, till later. But how important is it to keep that in mind and building that bigger picture, that community, getting all the stakeholders on the same page? (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. If you have great talent and your talent is better than everybody you play, then don't worry about it. You don't have to. But if you're like 99.9% of of the coaches out there, I I think it's vital. And like I say, when we go talk to coaches all over the country, I I say that it's a tripod of success. You have the players and coaches, you have the community, and you have the administration. And if you don't have a plan for all three of those, it's going to be hard to be successful as you, you know, to be as successful as you possibly or potentially could be and that's I've always sort of looked at it from the altruistic you know perspective that you coach kids mind spirit and body and and you you build a program with the administration the parents and the kids and and coaches and and I think that's the you got to have that approach and that's one of the things that we've tried to do everywhere we've been is is to tap into all three of those those foundation points and if if and, and there's just different ways to do it uh with administrators i think the biggest thing is to you got to know when no means no and and that's the that's the thing because sometimes you and, and i i said this the other day I gave a talk down at a casino there in oklahoma and you you got to know what hill you you're going to die on. You've got to know. Art Browse describes an awesome story in his book that he wrote about going into Stephenville and doing monkey bars. And, and the parents, they hadn't won in like 30 years in Stephenville, Texas. And Art Browse comes in, he does his monkey bar routine. And the kids are getting blisters on, on their fingers and on their hands. It makes me laugh to think about it because it's so typical of a guy going into a program and doing something they've never done and, and people not understanding why they don't understand the why. And, and they're used to not having blisters on their hands and the story. It's just, it's just a fantastic story and it, of an example of what hill do you want to die on because he had complaints. So he, he basically tells the parents that they're welcome to come to work out at two o'clock or whatever. So they have this shed where they're doing this 
this monkey bar workout. It's just, it's not an indoor at that time in Stingville, Texas, just sort of a shed where they have some monkey bars in the, and the parents, he opens up the garage door and lets the parents come in. And, you know, there was a large number of parents that came in to watch the workout that he had invited them, you know, Hey, if you want to come, you're welcome. So they come up, he lets the parents in. And then he said, coaches go get the boxes. So the coaches run up, get the boxes and run out. And in the boxes were gloves. And this is so awesome. It just, I love this story so much because it's so important for coaches in, and he said, basically, he dumped the gloves out on the ground, and he said, listen, we are going to do the monkey bar routine. If you want to wear gloves, wear gloves. If you don't want to wear gloves, you don't have to wear gloves. And if you don't want to do the monkey bars, you need to go into the locker room and turn your stuff in. And and after that was – and he said, you know, five or six kids went to the locker room, turned their stuff in, and that was that. At that point – he told the parents they were welcome to leave, <laughs> and he he shut the door. He walked the parents out the garage door, shut the door, and went to work on the monkey bars. And I just thought that's such a great example of how a coach should handle that situation. You know, it because all of us have, you know, you you have to figure out what is the hill. What hill are you going to stake your life and in future on? in terms of what you do with the kids. And I just thought that was a brilliant approach to, uh, you know, to a problem that he had. And, and I think the, the rest is history in terms of what, you know, Coach Browser did, you know, what he was able to do at Stephenville and then, of course, Lake Travis later. But, or not Lake Travis, but at Stephenville and uh, as he worked his way up the college ranks. But I just find it, I find those kind of stories fascinating. But that's, that's what you have to do, but you have to get people on board. You 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 just can't assume that parents and administrators are going to support you blindly. I don't think they are. I don't think they probably ever did, but if they ever did, they don't now. So it doesn't matter what happened, you know, 30 years ago. I, if I hear somebody say, well, 30 years ago, we didn't have to. Well, it's not 30 years ago. You know, it's, it's now, and you got to adjust you got to be, I think, somewhat flexible, and you have to have a reason for what you're doing, and you sort of have to have what we call a process is, you know, what do you do when a guy doesn't show up? What do you do if a guy doesn't work out in the summer? What do you do if a guy's late? What You know, and you have to have a process, and you have to stick to the process, and that's, that's what's so hard is to be consistent on a daily basis, and that's the battle. When you wake up as a high school football coach every morning, you, that battle's right there in front of you. You got to, you got to go. You got you to go battle, and that's that was the thrill of it, and that was the fun. And then when you have, you're able to have some success. It just, it just makes it so awesome to be with those kids and the look on their face. I, I read a poem or a a quote the other day, something the effect that a mom and dad will never see the look on their son's face when he's getting ready to go out for the last drive of the game. And and I've thought about that so much. What a blessing it is to be in that position to see that look on that kid's face when he's getting ready to go for the drive to either win it or not win it. You know, parents don't get, you know, in most cases, parents will never see the look on their kid's face when he's getting ready to go out and do that. And that's, 
that stuck in stuck in my brain that I'll probably never forget it. They will never see that look on a kid's face when he goes out there for that drive. No, it's it's powerful stuff, Coach, and we appreciate you sharing the stories on that. And you know, I don't know, we've done three or four of these podcasts now, and you always have some some golden nuggets like that. And you know, you are somebody. You've proved that to me. You're somebody who continues to learn the game. And quick story: if our listeners haven't heard it, I was doing uh, uh, some consulting. This is back probably, man, 2017, I think. First year I was, I had just started with USA football, maybe it was a couple months in, and I already had a consulting gig set up with Lincoln Christian, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so they fly me out there, and I sit down, sitting down with the staff, and, you know, all of a sudden Rick Jones comes walking through the door. I'm like, Coach, what are you doing here? He said, I heard you were going to be here. I wanted to come and learn. And I, number one, I was humbled that you would make that drive. But also, like, just, you know, that's a, I thought that's exactly what you need in this profession. I mean, this is, this is a guy who's won multiple state championships, and he's making a drive because he's interested in something that I'm going to be talking about here. You know, this is a guy who's humble enough to say, I got to keep learning. You know, if I want to keep growing in this profession, I have to keep learning. So that, that part, number one, Thank you again for, for doing that. That was something I'll never forget. But, you know, I guess if you could ex- expand upon that, you know, because I think you, you we started this with this is an opportunity for you to learn. Well, it really is. I, I mean, that's what it boiled down to. I thought this, you know, making the move at, at this point in my life was a great opportunity to, to learn something different, a, a total different way of doing things and just seeing, like I say, I, I just wanted to peek behind the curtain. I wanted to see what it was like and, and see if I could add some value here and there. And that's, that's really it. And it, I, it's funny that you, it made an impression on you that I would drive uh, what's about two and a half hours to go here. You talk about what you were doing offensively. And I, I mean, I never even thought twice about it. I, I had read some of your stuff. I had seen some of your video and I thought, there's some stuff I need to go learn. And it, it just never occurred to me that somebody wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I can't really imagine the mentality of somebody not, not being able to do that. And really the, the crazy thing is, is that the reason that we're at Missouri right now probably is because when coach Drinkwitz was about really, really young as a coach, I figured out this guy is really smart. He is really, really good. He's like uh, one of the smartest guys I've I've met in the business, and he's just a pup. And I've I've stayed in contact with him. I've picked his brain continually as he's gone from Arkansas State to Auburn to Boise to North Carolina State to App and, and then now at Mizzou. And I think probably, you know, that's the reason that, it worked out that we got an opportunity to come here. It's just because I, I, I try to find smart people and I try to learn all I can from smart people. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's just second nature. I don't even think about it. It's not even like I, and it's not what people don't realize is that 
there are guys that can help you as a coach, and they may not be at the biggest universities. They may not be at that name recognition, but it's it's bright people that see things in different ways. I've got a buddy down in South Georgia that just sees the game in a total different way than I do. And I love to call him up and talk football with him or meet with him and talk ball because he sees things that I don't see. He has perspective that I don't have. And and it he makes me better every time I talk to him. He knows who he is. And it's just That's just the way I see it. It's just, uh, gosh, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. It's just somebody else is. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we all have, what is it, 1,660 seconds or minutes or whatever. You know, the only thing we all have the same of is time. And and I think about that, I, I, I look at, and I, this, I mean, not being morbid, but I look at, you know, Steve Jobs with a billions and billions of dollars could not buy another second on this earth. And we just we have to do everything we can to live it up and do the best we can with the hand we've been dealt. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I have to ask you now, the responsibilities of a college coach, I know something that is very important to you <laughs> every single summer is you get to go out and be a disc golf caddy. Is that going to continue? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm. I there is there are some weekends that are available. That unfortunately, the disc golf world is sort of on hiatus. At at least at the national tour level, it's on hiatus as well. And it's yeah. For those that don't know, my son is a about the fifth or sixth ranked disc golfer in the world. I'm. I'm <laughs> I never thought about that as a possible career choice, but he travels the world and just having a ball and I try to find two or three weekends that I get to go caddy for him and and I just love it I I love meeting the other competitors and I've sort of gotten to know some of those guys and girls and it's a it's a fun little world it's they're like a circus they just travel from one place to the other and he's seeing the world and seeing the country and I think there's a couple weeks but to be honest coach if this virus deal winds down, you know, in four weeks or so, it could be that we're going to be really busy during prime disc golf caddying time because we're going to be making up for all this lost time. So I knew that one thing when I, when I stopped being the man to go to work for the man, I knew that the the man was going to tell me when I was going to work and when I wasn't. So I'm prepared for whatever he needs me to do. <laughs> Well, Coach, you you know you bring up the coronavirus, and this is the, these are these are strange times for all of us. Is something none of us have ever faced. Uh, you said something before we got going here uh, that kind of stood out in my mind. I wrote a note down, and you know this is a time uh, we're seeing a lot of people react differently to this. But I think the words that stuck out is is we got to hold the rope, right? We'll all get through this. But I think that's a a, a good message, and if I guess you would share that with our listeners. Well, I, I think really that I'm at the, well, of course, I'm not in the prime age where you shouldn't worry about it. I'm probably in the lower area of where you probably should, but uh, good Lord willing, I'm I'm in good health and, and I stay in pretty good shape. And I don't really fear getting the virus as much as I fear getting the virus and giving it to somebody that I love and care about. 
and that's the thing is that I, I mean, I try to do the best I can washing my hands and not touching my face and doing, you know, doing all that. But I think more than anything, my mom's 88. Um, it would, it would just be horrifying to give the virus to one of our players here at Mizzou or one of my fellow coaches. And I just, I want to do everything possible to make sure that I don't get it, not just, you know, because I don't want to be the guy <laughs> that spreads it around. So we're going to try to do the best we can and, and just make the best of it. That's all we can do. And if we can find ways to help each other out, that's it. I don't think going by, I don't think for me going to Walmart and buying 46 rolls of toilet paper is really helping the, helping the cause. I, that's the, well, that's a good thing. Cause you can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably true. <laughs> I think that's probably true, but I just, I think we gotta, you know, it goes back to the golden rule, which is sort of funny. Just do unto others. You'd have them do, you, you know, wash your hands, avoid contact, you know, hunker down. Let's, let's get through this together. And it'll be, it'll be interesting you know, to see how it works out because I think we're still in the phase and we're not quite sure how bad or, you know, how extensive the damage is, but it's probably more extensive than we think. But it's – every once in a while you get sort of slapped in in the face with perspective of how important football is, and that's – I mean, that's just part of it. we got to deal with it the best we can. Do the best we can with our kids too, just – that's one of the things that I've thought about this week, especially with Coach Drinkwitz, is that the responsibility of a head coach is vast. And because uh, all of those kids and all their parents and all the coaches and all their kids, I mean, there's a vast number of people that it's important the decisions that he makes. You know, I, I pray for him to have wisdom and, and you know, it good good idea of best practices coach you said you're going to do this till a truck hits you i certainly hope there's not a truck out there with with your name <laughs> on it because you know we're we're better having you in this world and better having you as part of the coaching profession i really appreciate all you've done to this point and um yeah, i appreciate it <laughs> i'm excited to see what you do here now moving forward and uh, for our listeners out there best way to to contact you my email is rick.jones at missouri.edu. They can hit me on Twitter at gwfbcoach. I haven't changed that yet. I have a website, www.coachrickjones.com. Got a few blogs up there and some stuff. So anyway, they can hit me. Be happy to. I love talking ball. Just hit me up. Shoot me some questions if you have any, and I'll be happy to visit with you. Coach, again, thanks for taking the time, and stay safe. You bet, Keith. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks 
at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.